title of what I'm sharing with you this morning is Dependent on God. Dependent on God. I wonder if you would agree that that is an important topic, an important subject. Would you please turn so long to Psalm 44? We'll get there in a moment's time. We're gonna look at the first three verses there. And what I love about these first three verses of Psalm 44 is how it emphasizes the work of God among his people. And a people that will be dependent on God will see God working on their behalf. So let's pick it up, Psalm 44, verse one to three in the New King James Version. And this is what it says. It says, we have heard with our ears, O God, our fathers have told us the deeds you did in their days, in days of old. You drove out the nations with your hands, but them, this is God's people, you planted. You afflicted the peoples and cast them out. And then in verse three, talking about the people of God, for they did not gain possession of the land by their own sword. I wanna tell you, the promised land that God has for you, you will not gain possession of it by your own sword. For they did not gain possession of the land by their own sword, nor did their own arms save them, but it was your right hand, your arm, and the light of your countenance. Now that's interesting. In the light of your countenance because you favored them. That's a beautiful few verses of scripture, isn't it? And you'll notice on the screen, I, I put the you and the your bolded and underlined. And it's interesting that the word you or your occurs nine times in just these three verses of scripture. What does this tell us? it tells us how actively God was working on behalf of his people. And I believe it also shows us that God is still actively working on our behalf today. He is a God who is active, he is involved. He's not standing watching from a distance, he's involved in your life, he is acting upon your situation, he is leading you, he is directing you, and he is the God that is actively working on our behalf. And one of the things that's very important is that we need to realize that it is God, listen to this, who brings about the results. We don't bring about the results. We don't bring about the breakthroughs. We don't bring about the works taking place. It is God who does this. And you know what, we can plant, and we can water, and we can do our best, and that's what we should do. We need to be faithful in the part that we need to do. We can plant and water, but it is God who brings the increase. Do you realize that? Some people are saying, well, why is there not more increase and forward movement in my life? And I believe sometimes because you're trying to do it in your own strength, where God says, give up of that. Give up relying on the arm of the flesh. And will you really trust in me because I am the one that brings it about. God is the one who brings about the results. Listen to me, God is the one that brings about the results. He brings about the results. 
I can try my best to pastor and lead a church and so on, but you know what? It's going nowhere unless God brings the results. I can plant, I can water, and we can do things and so on, but it is God that brings about the breakthrough. In your company, in your business, you can try to do the best things that you can do and read all the latest leadership books and so on, but if you will incline your ear to the voice and the heart of God and respond to what he initiates, he will do the works and he will break through in ways which are far more incredible than any kind of self-help books you can read. God is the one that brings the breakthrough. You might be here and you're one of our life group leaders and, and every time it comes to leading life group and it's, it's gonna happen now, it's Wednesday night, it's getting closer, you, you feel so intimidated and so on and you know what, you're in your own strength, you're weak, but I wanna tell you that it is God that brings about the results in that group. If you will just show up, God will show forth his power. But it takes us to also show up, but it's with an attitude that we are looking to God. Now, I noticed with keen interest the last phrase in verse three of Psalm 44, which says this, it says, because you, what's that next word? Favored them, wow. Because you favored them, isn't that interesting? In other words, the breakthroughs that the children of Israel experienced was because God favored them. The favor of God will bring unprecedented breakthrough in your life. Now, our theme for 2023 is the favor of the Lord. Say that with me, the favor of the Lord. And you know what? We certainly need the favor of God to bring about advancement, to bring about increase, to bring about forward movement in our lives. I'm thinking of the fact that recently we began to declare to you how God is leading us to begin to take steps to move forward, to build a new and a larger auditorium, and I'm just realizing that you know we can do the bits and, and, and the pieces and, and the architects and so on, but at the end of the day, it is God who brings about the increase, it is God who brings about the results, and it is God who will establish that building that God has in store for us, amen? Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. It is God who brings it about. Now, I'd like to share four points with you this morning. Number one, here we go. God desires that we depend on him. Would you please say this with me? God desires that we depend on him. Think about God's heart. God's heart desiring that you would depend. God's heart saying, my son, my daughter, depend, depend on me. You see, this is part of the design of God. You were made or designed to depend on God. Do you know that God did not design you to be self-sufficient? <laughs> Some people think they are designed to be self-sufficient. God didn't design you to be self-sufficient. He designed you to be connected to him and he designed you to find your strength in him. And in him you find strength. One of the beautiful things is that we see that Jesus was the most wonderful example of someone who depended upon the Father. Have you noticed as you've observed Jesus' life, as you've read about Jesus' life? And the amazing thing is that even though he was the Son of God, in other words, he was God himself, 
he still knew that he needed to depend on the Father. And he was fully dependent on the Father. And this is very interesting because we know that the scripture says that in him, Jesus, was the fullness of the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, bodily. So here is Jesus. He is God walking on the face of the earth. And despite all of that, he knew he needed to depend on the Father. And it says in John 5, verse 19, Jesus said, the Son can do nothing of himself. Jesus, are you, are you sure? <laughs> the, the Son can do nothing of himself. You see, if you wanna discover the kingdom, you need to discover things like this. The Son can do nothing of himself. Another verse is John 8, 28, and Jesus said, I do nothing of myself. John 12, verse 49 says, for I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command that I should say uh, and speak what he says to me. Jesus wasn't even just speaking his own words or ideas. He was dependent on the words of the Father and he would respond to that. Another scripture is John 14, verse 10. It says, the words that I speak, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Do you get that? Out of this attitude of dependence, Jesus knew. <laughs> He's responding to what the Father's initiating and then Father does the works. He produces the results. Also in John 5, verse 30, Jesus said, now listen to this phrasing, he said, I can do nothing on my own initiative. Those are powerful words, come on church, those are powerful, I can do nothing on my own initiative is what God said. So do you get the picture here? Through these scriptures, what is the picture? It is a picture of dependence. Jesus was so dependent. Now, you might say, but Lord, I can do lots of things by myself, Lord. I'm capable, I can do lots of things. Can we really? If Jesus needed to be dependent on the Father, how much more do you and I truly need to depend and rely on him? And so I wanna encourage you, let's follow Jesus' example and let's have an attitude of dependence. Because when we don't have an attitude of dependence, which is a, humil uh, uh, a humble attitude, then we have an attitude of pride and God says that he opposes the proud. Take note, God is not neutral to the proud, he opposes the proud. But when God says, you depend on me, you're humble, I give grace unto the humble. And you know what, I believe that when we choose to be dependent on God, it undoubtedly, listen to this, it blesses the Father's heart. As you're dependent on God in your day and in what you're going through and in your studies at varsity, it blesses the heart of God. Just a little example here. So I uh, was responsible from quite a young age for the sound in our church, in my dad's church in Hatfield. And there'd been some upset with the sound team and next thing they left over 24, within 24 hours. And here I was stuck at about 13, 14 years of age. I'm the only one who had a bit of a clue. 
emphasis bit, all right, which is Greek for biomin. I had a very little bit of a, cue, a clue, and so here I ended up beginning to do the sound, and, and so I took it very seriously. The first time, my knees were like dancing in formation and so on, but you started to get a little bit more into it and so on. But I remember that I took it very seriously, and so before the time, we had set up practice and play and all of that is practice, and then before the service, I'd go to the men's room, use the loo and so on, and then in the little toilet cubicle, I'd put the seat down and I'd sit on the seat and then I would pray. And I remember time and time and time and time and time and time and again, I'd put my hands out like this and I'd say, Lord, please use me. Lord, I'm a little nervous to do the sound today. It's, it's a big job. There's, there's thousands of people. So Lord, would you please help me? I give you my hands, I give you my heart, I give you my ears, anoint my ears. Help me, I pray, Lord, and I pray that you would help me to do it for your glory. And you know what? The Lord did help me time and time and time and time and time and time again. Amen. Time and time and time again. I praise God for that. But I also believe that it did please the heart of the Father when we are dependent on Him. Let me say this, a major key to the Christian life is to keep our hearts fully dependent upon the Lord. So that's number one. God desires that we depend on Him. Are you ready for number two? We need to acknowledge our need of God. Please say this with me. We need to acknowledge our need of God. So the first point is that God desires that we depend, and it's the design how he's made it to be. Now, the second point is we have to acknowledge, I need him. I need God. Please turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter five. This is the story of the Sermon on the Mount. And interestingly, this is the longest recorded message that Jesus preached. And so Matthew chapter five, verse one to three, says the following. Reading from the New King James Version, it says, and seeing the multitudes, he, that's Jesus, went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. In verse two, then he opened his mouth and taught them saying, and here is the key in verse three. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's interesting. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Would you please say poor in spirit? Now, I find this fascinating. Because this is the opening line of Jesus' sermon, and so surely this is significant. This was gonna be the longest recorded message, and the very first line, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now we need to understand this. Sometimes we read the scripture, and we don't understand poor in spirit, I don't get it, but yeah, you just carry on reading. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? The answer is, it means to be dependent on God. You hear those words? Dependent on God. Say those three words with me, dependent on God. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That means the dependent on God. And when you are dependent on God, 
It means that you recognize that I don't have what it takes, but my God has what it takes. It means that I am really depending on God for everything. It means that He is my source. It means that He is the one that I really need, and I live with this reality in my life. I live with this reality that I need the Lord God. And therefore, we can say, you could put Matthew 5 verse 3 like this. You could say, blessed are the dependent. That's the poor in spirit. Blessed are the dependent, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that beautiful? Let me say that again. Blessed are the dependent. Are you dependent? Now, to define dependent in the dictionary, it says relying on someone or something for support. And when it comes to God, Dependence is relying on God for support. May I ask you today, child of God, are you really in your heart of hearts, are you willing to be dependent? I believe that there's people today that you are doing such a fantastic job on this, all you need is a pat on the back. But there are other people here today that need to take steps forward and you need to stop trying to be the driver's seat and you need to let God steer, you need to let God drive and you need to become more dependent on God and stop trying to control your own life and be dependent on the one who controls the very universe and in everything he formed it all and he holds it together, amen? Are you willing to be dependent? Are you willing, child of God, to rely on the Lord? Will you acknowledge your need of Him? Now, this aspect of being poor in spirit, I think to myself, well, what is the opposite of being poor in spirit? Opposite of being poor in spirit is to be independent, to be self-sufficient, and to be a self-made person. I am a self-made man. That's how people like that talk. You know, there's that song that says, I did it my way. You know what? That flies in the face of God. China. <laughs> that flies in the face of God. What a shame to come to the end of your life and say, I did it my way. Oh, no, 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 no. Not my will, but yours be done. Jesus said it. Lord, not my will, but yours be done. I want the will of God. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. I do not want my way because my ways are many times offensive in the ways of the Lord. And so we need to say, I'm doing it God's way. I'm depending on God. I'm following after God. God is going to do it. But the opposite of being poor in spirit is being a self-made man, self-sufficient. Now, I think of some of these super rich countries of the world. There's some very, very rich countries in the world. Some of them are actually very tiny, places like Monaco, Luxembourg, Switzerland. And you know what? They have everything. The people in these countries, they literally have everything. They have money. They have prestige, they have luxury, they have superb health care. And in some of those countries is the highest concentration of the most expensive, you know, Lamborghinis and Ferraris and so on in those countries. And you know, they are convinced and they think to themselves that I don't need God. I don't need God. They think it's not important, they don't need God. But you know what? In actual fact, they desperately need God. They so desperately need God, they don't even know it. Lord, open their eyes. And it says in Revelation 3, verse 17 to 18, 
you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Some of these people today, they think they are so rich, they think they're rich in spirit, rich in life, rich in everything, I don't need God. But God says, you know what? You are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and you are naked. Wow. And so God says to them in verse 18, I counsel you to buy from me gold. This is the spiritual gold. Refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye solve that you may see. And you know what? The reality is when you think of countries like that and you think they don't need God, the reality is every person on the face of the earth needs the living God. Absolutely. Come on. We need the living God. Everyone needs God, and God loves us so much that he will work, and he will lovingly try to draw us, if we don't reject his work, he will lovingly try to draw us to a place of dependence on him. Now, just back to Matthew 5, verse three. So, blessed are the poor in spirit, we know that that's the dependent, and then it says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does it mean when God says that theirs is the kingdom of heaven? Well, as I understand it, it means that we will gain access into the kingdom of heaven when the time comes. In other words, we will be admitted into the realm of heaven. Remember Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And so theirs is the kingdom of heaven. People that depend on God are depending on God also for salvation. And therefore, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They get to enter into that realm of heaven where the Father is and the Son is. But also in the meantime, we get to enjoy the benefits and the blessings of the new covenant here and now. We get the kingdom blessings here and now. And so in terms of this, you say, John, are you a kingdom then guy or a kingdom now guy? I'm actually both because you get to experience the kingdom of God right now on earth. There's an abundance and God says that he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. There's so many blessings. We are the most blessed people on the face of the earth. We really are. But you know what? There's far more of the revelation of the kingdom to come in the time and in the age to come. But it is kingdom now. But the full manifestation of the kingdom comes at a later stage, but God says it is ours. It is ours. Because we are dependent, yours is the kingdom of heaven, child of God. Are you grateful for that? Point number three, God can use you despite your weakness. Think about that. Say this out loud with me. God can use you despite your weakness. Now, please tell the person next to you that. Tell them that. God can use you despite your weakness. In Hebrews 11, we read about several heroes of faith. And you've probably read Hebrews 11 and you read about Joseph and Noah and uh, the different men in, in, in the Old Testament and so on. And they were heroes of faith. But part of that chapter, the latter chapter, 
reads as follows. You don't have to turn there. I'll just read it to you. It's Hebrews 11, verse 32 to 34. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. And the writer to the Hebrews writes the following after already talking about a number of heroes of faith. Now he carries on and he says, and what more shall I say? For time would fail me if I were to tell of these other heroes, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah of David, and Samuel and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Now, you read a passage of scripture like this, I'm not sure how you respond, but quite often times you can read this and you can actually become a little bit intimidated. <laughs> Am I right? Because you read about these men and women of faith and you think, oh, they did such amazing, incredible things and such great things for God, but you have to notice the all-important phrase in verse 34, and I'll read it to you, and it says, from weakness were made strong. This is talking about these men and women, these heroes of faith. You've gotta hear this phrase. From weakness were made strong. Wow. This describes every single one of them. And we only see the end product of how God powerfully used, but we don't see the early days and the struggles and the weakness and the insecurity and so on. But here we see clearly from weakness were made strong. And so they had the same common denominator. They were weak people. You've got to get a hold of this. They were weak people. They were ordinary people, just like you and me but God's strength came upon them and used them in an exceptional way. So if you're feeling a little weak in aspects of your life and maybe you don't have all the confidence that you wish you had and so on, I wanna tell you, you're in good company because if you will surrender that weakness to God, God can use it and use you in an incredibly powerful way and take you from weakness to strength, praise God. Does this excite anybody? I wanna tell you, that you can all be greatly used by God from weakness to strength. And you know, we think of Samson, one of the heroes in the Bible, but as I understand the story of Samson, he was not built like Mr. Universe. You know Mr. Universe and they grease themselves up with the baby oil and so on and, and the muscles ripple and all of that. And they, I mean, they just look humongoloid. <laughs> I, I think that's the right word. <laughs> they look humongous, but you know what? It would appear that Samson was not like that. It would appear that he was not this hugely tall guy like Goliath, and he didn't have this build of Arnold Schwarzenegger or something like that. It, it appears that that wasn't the case. Why do I say that? Because Delilah was saying to him, what is your secret? They couldn't figure out, what is the secret of your power? Because Perhaps he looked, well, maybe he was reasonably well built, but he didn't look like the power that he demonstrated. And so Delilah was saying, what is the secret? It didn't make sense. I'll tell you what the secret was. The power of God came upon Samson, praise God. 
That was the secret. And God is wanting to do the same for you. He's wanting to take you out of weakness into strength. And he's wanting his power to rest upon you. Can I get an amen? amen. You know what? The world views weakness as something bad, something shameful. But I've discovered as I've searched the scriptures that God sees weakness as an opportunity for his glory to be demonstrated. <laughs> that's our God, that's how he works. I think that sometimes we tend to be obsessed with being strong, I really do. Listen to me, we tend to be obsessed with being strong. But you know, through it all, we should stop chasing after soul power and rather depend on God. <laughs> Don't depend on your soul power and how you're gonna go into that boardroom uh, meeting and with all your little skills and so on, you're gonna manipulate your way into that contract. No, don't do that. Don't pursue the soul power, but pursue the soul power of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, only His power, and He will take you to places that you've never dreamed of, amen? amen. Praise God. And so let's begin to see weakness from a biblical point of view and realize that God can use it for his glory. In terms of weakness, do you know that the Apostle Paul, he knew what we were talking about here, what we were talking about. Listen to this. The Apostle Paul was very well aware of his weaknesses, and you see this in Scripture, but he didn't let it bother him. Rather, he allowed God's grace and God's power to make up for his weakness, to compensate for his weakness. And that's why Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 to 10 in the Good News Bible, he wrote, my grace is all you need, for my power is greatest when you are weak. So this little first phrase was, is what God said to Paul, and Paul is quoting this. This is what God said to Paul, my grace is all you need, Paul, for my power is greatest when you are weak. And then Paul went on to write, I am most happy then to be proud of my weaknesses that challenges the worldly mindset. I'm most proud then, uh, happy then to be proud of my weaknesses in order to feel the protection of Christ's power over me. I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is how the kingdom works, folks. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. And so, by the way, when we are conscious of our weaknesses, we are more likely to depend on God. Now, don't be obsessed with your weaknesses, but you're just aware. No. I'm weak in this area, I struggle in this area. And basically, when we're conscious of that weakness, then we're more likely to depend on God, and that's what God wants. And when we depend on Him, His power will be released from in us and through us. Listen to what one theologian says. He says, successful service for Christ depends on a weak servant. The weaker he is, the more the power of Christ rests on him. Another scripture I am beginning to draw to a close. Another scripture is 1 Corinthians 1 verse 27 to 29. In the NIV it says, but God chose the foolish things 
of the world to shame the wise. Now listen to this. God chose the weak things. Is anybody feeling weak today? God chooses you to work through you. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and despised things, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast. Because out of weakness, God strengthens, and then we know it was God who did it. <laughs> it was God who did it. I can't take the credit. It is God who did it. Praise the Lord. And so really, realize, it's quite astonishing to realize that God chooses weak vessels to accomplish his work. It actually boggles the human mind that God chooses weak vessels. But you know what? It's the way God has chosen to operate and he is perfect in all his ways. Point number four is a very brief point. As we depend on God, he responds by strengthening us. Would you say the word strengthening? Say it again. As we depend on God, it releases, unlocks something. It unlocks the strength of God in your life. Now, today we're talking about dependency, and you'd be familiar with the term drug dependency, which is a craving to get a hold of a certain substance. But I was thinking in relation to depending on God, maybe we could use a more, a beautiful term and talk about a God dependency. A God dependency is when you say, well, I'm so dependent on God. God, in this situation, I'm struggling. I've got to get to you on this situation. God, help me. It's saying, God, I cannot handle it by myself. It's saying, God, I must have your divine help in the situation in my family. And a practical way in which we do this is we run to God in prayer. This is how you do it. You run to God in prayer. Do you realize that our lives can dramatically change if we will begin to run to God in prayer, it is all about God dependency. Please tell the person next to you, it's all about God dependency. Tell them that. And the last scripture I wanna read, Psalm 18, verse 32. It is God who arms me with strength. This is for those who say, I'm gonna be dependent. It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. And so, as I'm drawing to a close, know this child of God, as you depend on God, he will favor you and he will bless you with his divine strength. And so my closing line today, let's wholeheartedly depend on God. Give the Lord a hand of praise, amen. Why don't you stand with me as we pray? Allow this moment of prayer just to seal off what the Lord has done today. Father, for some of us, we've been really totally depending on you, and that's wonderful. Thank you that every one of those people are encouraged today. For those of us, Lord, that have been trying to do things in our own strength, and not relying on you, we just say, we're sorry for that, Lord. It's not the right thing. We humble our hearts, and we wanna be poor in spirit. We want to be dependent on you. Thank you that as a result, you strengthen, you enable, 
You cause us to see the things of the kingdom of heaven. And Lord, today we make a choice. Would you pray this after me? Lord Jesus Christ, I choose dependence on you. Full dependence, complete dependence. And thank you, Lord, that you respond by empowering me, by strengthening me. Now I'm just gonna pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for what you do right now. Can I invite just to, just to set your heart on the Lord right now? Thank you, Lord, for what you do. Lord, in this moment of quietness, would you just settle this word into our hearts? We say, God, that we look to you. Who else do we have to look to? We literally have no one else. You have the words of life. Where else shall we go, Abba Father? You have the words of life, God. We can go nowhere else. Forgive us for where we've sought our own self-sufficiency. We choose to depend on you. We choose to depend on you. Make that the cry of your heart right now. I choose dependence, God. And thank you, Lord, that our dependence, our trust in you is never misplaced and that you lead us on from strength to strength. We love you, Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name and we all say, Amen, amen. God bless you. Let's give the Lord another hand of praise. God bless you.